I said finally because I haven't had Alice, Dr. Alice Williamson in the studio for a long time. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's nice to be back. Yeah, we had Tom Gordon for two weeks and he was a fantastic replacement, but nothing can replace you, Dr. Alice. Oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> Tom's a bit of a legend, so. He uh, is. And I heard I heard what heard his stories and they were very interesting. So this- I definitely used a lot of his stories in conversations to sound smart. <laughs> But a lot, I was like, oh, you know, you know, the ball spinning controversy. I know everything about that, like <laughs> that cricket stuff. So um, Cricket Australia have been calling you up in the meantime for some consultation. Exactly. Or- like I, I'm just kind of the uh, the science person that they call up now because I'm, I'm an expert, pretty much. <laughs> I'm really good at cricket now as well, I've noticed. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, exactly. It's all coming together for me. Um, we're doing a kind of animal special. I feel like you like to talk about animals on Up and Adam. Yeah, I do. And um, uh, the one, the stories I've found this week, there's one that's kind of cool and um, and and fun, and the other one's a little bit dark. So <laughs> we'll start with maybe <laughs> maybe the fun one, especially because you just played. The Mortal Orchestra? Yeah, Unknown Mortal Orchestra, I played Honeybee, and it got me thinking about... I read in this article, it's not what the article is about, but it said something about bumblebees do a little wiggle. Yeah, it's so the bumblebee waggle, apparently the waggle dance, um, or bee waggle dance, I don't think it's um, just Just bumblebees. bumblebees. Um, they, They do a dance which... Um, on their way back to the hive that communicates to the rest of the hive um, some information about a food source that they've just been to. And this this waggle dance is so complex, it conveys so much uh, information um, from the angle that they approach the hive, that, that tells uh, the bees about the direction that the food source is, is from, the distance that or the length of their their dance tells them about the distance of the food source from the hive and this one is the really kind of funny one the number of turns so 80 180 degree turns is apparently indicative of the quality of the food so the how good the pollen source is that the bees just checked out so if they're zigzagging they've hit the they've hit the the sweet spot Yeah. yeah so they so they have been communicate they communicate to other members of the hive about the quality of food sources and some researchers have observed uh, recently, which is what we're talking about today, a similar sort of behaviour from wasps. Um, but this time it's not so much dancing and it's more to do with drumming. So there's a lot of rhythm going on um, amongst these these types of uh, insects. Um, and this this drumming is called gastral drumming, which I think is a great name for a band as well. Yeah. You know? But it's um, what they've observed in wasps is that they, they kind of they thrust their abdomens against the hive in a kind of drumming motion and this has been observed uh, for quite a while now so it's first observed in the literature and back in the 1960s and the researchers who saw this at the time thought that the reason the wasps were drumming their bellies against the um, the hive was to indicate that they were hungry Um, but it wasn't until quite recently that somebody decided to to you know, actually test this out so yeah. rather than just having observations, see if they could conduct an experiment which would tell us about what this behaviour might mean. Um, and that's been done by a researcher from the City Uni of New York, uh, Benjamin Davis, quite uh, Benjamin Taylor, sorry, quite recently. 
Right. And so what did they do in the test to indicate the difference between being hungry and finding food? Yeah, exactly. So first of all, they had to set up their experiment. And the way they did this is they, they, they looked at a type of wasp, the German yellow jacket, which I didn't know but I did, didn't know about, but that's a rather nice name for a wasp. Yeah, it's a cute name. And they had six different colonies of these wasps and they set up artificial nests within a lab environment that allowed the wasps kind of controlled ex. Uh, controlled exit or entry or access to the external environment. Um, and what they did in one of the tests, they did quite a few different tests, but one of the tests was to, was to look at starvation. So they allowed the wasps to go out and go and get as much food as they wanted to freely one day. And then they shut them in the nest without access to food the next day, but they had water. Don't worry, it wasn't too you know, um, cruel. And then they opened the exit. And then another test, they um, gave um, different amounts of sucrose solution to the wasps. So that's sugary water, basically, which is what the wasps are after when they go and find nectar um, and other kinds of um, sweet sources of food. And what they found is when they be- when they measured their behaviour during the starvation test and when they measured it during the different types of um, amounts of, of sugary water test, they found that actually the, the number of drumming instances reduced in the starvation tests, which suggests that they weren't beating their abdomen to show hunger. But it actually increased when there was an increased concentration of sugary water around. Oh. So what the researchers have deduced from this is that actually this drumming is telling other wasps, it's communicating to other wasps um, in a kind of recruitment behaviour that there's a good source of food around and that that's perhaps what this drumming is all about. And do wasps have ears or is it like vibrations? So it depends. They can pick up vibrations from each other or they can touch each other's abdomens. Um, But this... They're trying to look now at what the different patterns in the drumming could mean, whether it's perhaps more complex than simply increased numbers of drumming um, to indicate more more food or whether it's to do with the pattern. So, you know, we, we talked about the bees at the top of the story, that yeah. they have this kind of complex sequence of different dance moves that can be used to interpret what's going on with the food source. And other bees see that. Yeah, they see that or they can feel the vibrations by being in contact with the bee. Ah. Um, and um, so this is it's going to lead to some more research because what they've actually seen in this study is that some of the wasps seem to beat for um, a a few minutes and others are just you know doing a couple of drums of the abdomen so there could even potentially be some kind of negative feedback loop so a different kind of drumming and this is this is conjecture at the moment but this is something that they want to look into that perhaps um drumming in a different rhythm could could mean something different so i think these researchers will definitely follow uh, these these drumming uh, behaviours and see what more we can learn about wasps. Yeah, it's really interesting to see uh, that they all have a, a similar way of communicating, but it's it's different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it yeah. proves that wasps are smart and scary. Um, well, I think that one of the things they wanted us to take <laughs> home is that we shouldn't be so scared of them. They're actually pretty clever too. Yeah. Um, but... But, you know, it's up to you, Ruby. Our next story is clever and scary as well. So that's a good transition. In the middle of Up and Adam with Dr. Alice Williamson, we're back 
and we're here to talk about some more animals that we've made a real kind of creepy discovery on. A whole bunch of researchers discovered uh, some orcas doing something kind of freaky. Do you want to explain it? Yeah, I will, and I know you love orcas, so I'm sorry to bring this one to you, Ruby. <laughs> yeah, I but, feel like but you make me regret my decision to get an orca tattoo every week. <laughs> no, but w- wait, just wait. So... I'll, I'll bring it back around again, I hope. Okay, good. So, um, yeah, this is a really fascinating piece of research that was actually observed at the end of 2016 and has just recently been published, which actually tells us all a little bit about how long it can take to get scientific research published because it's not just enough to observe something. You have to follow up with experiments and all that sort of stuff. But mm. what some researchers in Canada observed at the end of 2016 um was um, some unusual behaviour in a group of orcas. They'd heard reports that there were some uh, strange vocalisations coming from a part of Wales um, that were just off the coast of Vancouver, Vancouver Island in Canada. And so they headed over to the area and initially didn't see too much. They noticed there was a pod and, and they were about to leave. And then they noticed some really strange sounds and some really odd behaviour. And they realised that... A male had a calf um, contained within its mouth, and it was trying to drown the calf. What? So they'd noticed that the they'd noticed the calf a little bit earlier. The calf was perhaps was very young. They think it was you know in the first hour or so of its of its of its life. Oh right. Okay. Um, and they could tell this because its dorsal fin wasn't completely erect, so right. it's a very young calf. Um, And then they realised that the male who was attempting to drown the calf was actually from a different family of of whales, a different family of orcas or killer whales, um, and was hanging around with their mother. So it was a male and uh, the male's mother from another family of killer whales who'd come to kill this this calf. And the mother of the calf was terribly distraught. Some of the vocalisations were caught um, under the water using the microphones that they put underneath the water to hear you know the way that that the orcas communicate to each other yeah and the mother crazily tried to uh, defend her calf and save her calf and very very violently attacked the male but ultimately um she wasn't successful in saving the calf and and the calf was was drowned oh no and this is um a, a an interesting finding because it's the first time that this behavior has been observed with orcas um, or observed and documented with orcas um, and I think the researcher were researchers were quite surprised by this because there are there is a lot of work done in observing family of orcas and they haven't seen this before um, and they were quite shocked to, to hear some of these sounds when they played them back um, and to hear quite how you know how dramatic some of these sounds were and how violently the mother tried to defend her calf. One of the quotes from the article that I linked to from The Guardian on on the Twitter page for FBI um, describes that the the blubber shaking like jello of of the male as the, as the um the mother tried to defend her her calf yeah um so this is the first time that this has been observed in orcas as i mentioned but infanticide isn't isn't um solely seen in orcas it's seen in other species it's been observed actually in bottlenose dolphins which are a related species they're from the group of cetaceans that 
um, orcas are also part of. Yeah. This was observed back in 2013. It was actually the first time that a wild birth of a bottlenose dolphin had been observed and some males attempted to drown um, a young um, dolphin but weren't successful, but this behaviour was observed. And it's been observed, of course, in primates. We know that humans do it, monkeys do it, uh, lions, rodents and birds. So it's not unique to orcas but it's just the first time that this has been observed and what is what's the main um motivation behind these animals doing this well the motivation is is really uh, a type of sexually selective behavior so basically when when a when an orca has has given birth to a calf um she's then responsible for nursing and looking after that calf and she doesn't become fertile for quite a while so the so and this is observed in, in other species of animals. So what the researchers suggest is that perhaps this attack by the male wasn't uh, maybe even premeditated or motivated by trying to uh, make the, the female uh, orca fertile again so that he could then, you know, make his own calf with her. Right. And that perhaps that's why the mother is in on the act because there is this, um, you know, there's that... Uh, drive to pass on one's genes and the grandmother of the calf uh, to be would also have a vested interest in her son um, you know fathering a whale calf so the grandmother whale helped yeah to uh, kill the whale well the grandmother isn't a grandmother yet because sorry I explain this explain this in a little way the grandmother to be so the the male from another family of whales came and attacked a mother with her newly born calf. Yeah. It wasn't his calf. Yeah. But he's so he was from another group of whales and he came along with his mother. Oh so what? She was in on the act it's of a trying family to family hit. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a really, you know, it's a quite a, a disturbing behaviour. Um, but the the real drive for this seems to be so that this whale could, you know, sire his own young. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, so we've seen it in a whole bunch of other sort of um, animal groups. What does this tell us about orcas? Well, I think it, it tells it tells us that um, there are different ways that that um, selection works. You know, that survival of the fittest works, and this is probably one of the things that's underpinning. Um, the ways in which the social structures of these these whales gather and how survival of the fittest and evolution has worked in 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 groups of whales and in groups of animals it's interesting to note that the, there was no evidence that they tried to eat the the calf yeah whereas you know in other species this is seen that sometimes females will kill um young the young to nur- to gain nourishment or to take over a nest right but this behavior seems to have been purely to, to get the calf out of the way. They're not monsters, is what you're trying to say. Orcas are actually not that bad comparatively. Um, yeah, I, think, I think that might be your uh, your take on this story, but it seems to be a behaviour that it'll be interesting to see if it's observed again mm. or if the researchers can learn more about the way that groups of orcas structure themselves and how they behave in order to prevent this kind of thing from happening. So, for example, in monkeys... Having uh, a way, some some ways of, of reducing the rates of infanticide is to have this confusion about who is the father of of the the baby monkey, because if the if a group of male monkeys don't know whether that is their baby, they're less inclined to to kill. 
the young. So it can tell us about the social behaviours of groups of animals too. Growing up, I used to watch a lot of Meerkat Manor and it was just, I loved it because of the drama. And I feel like if you could do a... A dramatical, dramatical. Yeah, if you could do a a version of Meerkat Manor on orchids, I feel like we would have the most dramatic animal documentary series ever. Well, you've heard the pitch here. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's Ruby's new project. It sounds horrifying, but also it sounds very, very interesting. Thank you so much, Dr. Alice Williamson, for coming in. I can see you next week, right? You're going to be here yeah, forever. I'll be here next week for sure.